Welcome to Islam for Christians. This is episode 122, the Quran, Surah 86, at Tariq, the Night Visitor. By the heaven and the morning star. Ah, what will tell you what the morning star is? The piercing star. No human soul but hath a guardian over it. So let a man consider from what he is created. He is created from a gushing fluid that issued from between the loins and ribs. Lo, he verily is able to return him unto life. On the day when hidden thoughts shall be searched out, then will he have no might nor any helper. By the heaven which gives the returning rain, and the earth which splits with the growth of trees and plants. Lo, this Koran is a conclusive word. It is no pleasantry. Lo, they plot a plot against thee, Muhammad, and I plot a plot against them. So give a respite to the believers. Deal gently with them for a while. And now the Arabic as recited by Saad Al-Ghamdi. One of the great religious questions pondered since very early Judaism and straight through the birth and long life of Christianity and Islam is the question of why. Why does God permit evil to happen? The answer is never wholly satisfying to living humans, mostly because we are simply too in the thick of it, so to speak. We're just too close to understand the design. To someone whose loved one who has just been murdered, for example, it's very little consolation to tell them about the importance of free will and how God will eventually make things right. All you really know in that moment is that someone did something unfathomably evil that hurt you in the most extreme, almost unthinkable way. And despite this, the most powerful force in the universe, and really the being that is the universe, 
that force just stood by and let it happen. When this Sora was written, in the early Meccan period, I'm sure you guessed, Muhammad's world was being turned upside down. And in his mind, and in reality, really, God was the cause of it. Without God, arguably, Muhammad would still have been a somewhat wealthy pillar of the community, someone who was well-respected and probably enjoying great amounts of leisure. And so, as Muslims will tell you, this was God's response, and it's directed at Muhammad specifically. Muhammad needs an explanation of why things appear to be going badly, and why people are allowed to speak evil against God, and to do terrible things to Muslims. This surah is a message to Muhammad in that situation. So this is directed at Muhammad, but like most surahs, there is also a universal message that accompanies it. But right now, I just want to focus on the message to Muhammad. And in this surah, you can actually parse out the main themes by just following the rhyme scheme in the Arabic. You have part one, think of a bright piercing star that cuts the darkness in the world and in the soul. Then part two, think of how you were created, ejected from the lightless depths of the body. Then part three, that same force can peer back into the body. Then part four, like the cycles of rain and plant growth splitting from the earth, humans need the rains of revelation to thrive. Then part five, this Quran, the spiritual version of it, is not to be taken lightly. I guess really the literal version of it too. Now part six, and while the evil are certainly creating their plans, God has some plans of his own. The first part, as it tends to be, these things tend to start with uh, these types of sores, these early Meccan sores. They, they start with metaphors, and sometimes they're rather lofty and at times confusing. This is no exception. The, the first part is not entirely clear until you step back and think about it a little. Or at least it wasn't for me. You know, I, I didn't get this first read for sure. So don't just read the words. Think about them visually. First off, what is the morning star? That would be the sun. And what does it do in the morning? It pierces through the darkness. So the sun wins in the end. However, the sun does not come out until the proper time. And then the metaphor here is a little more clear. The evil people and their ignorance, that's the night. And divine revelation is the sun and goodness. However, that does not come out until morning at the proper time. Now, 
So what you have here is called a theodicy, an explanation, not from a theologian, but actually from God, as to why evil is allowed to thrive, or at least a partial one. It's because the time is not quite right, but it's coming. And this is the promise to Muhammad here. Just keep doing what I tell you to do. And this can easily be expanded to all of us. This is not just a Muslim thing. Jews and Christians have dealt with this pretty much since the beginning of time, or at least since, say, Noah and Job and guys like that. And then there's people like St. John of the Cross, the Dark Knight of the Soul, for example, and all the martyrs who trusted God enough to give their lives. But at their core, maybe, I don't know this for sure, I'm not a saint, but they may have been a little mystified at the power being given to these pagans around them. Now, Christians know this subject very well. And here, the Quran is injecting hope into the darkness, God giving solace during the long night when it seems like he is not there, giving confidence in uncertainty. This is the meaning of the title of this surah, the morning star, or the nightcomer, as it is sometimes translated, or that which comes in the night. Al-Tariq. This is a tough translation, and frankly, a tough pronunciation, too. I'm sure I messed that up. But Al-Tariq, the nightcomer or the morning star, those are the translations you see, but those words are not actually in the text. This term in Arabic, al-tariq, it literally means the knocker, the striker, the night visitor. It comes from the verb that basically means to knock or to bang on a door. The word for star is not anywhere in there. That word is in line three, najim, but the context is obviously tied to line three. So to make things easier on the reader, many translators just go straight to the morning star. And it makes sense. The first line is trying to set up a dark sky being illuminated, but there is a stronger depth of meaning here that just can't really be translated. What it's trying to say is that into a pitch black world of ignorance and evil, God is using his revelation to knock on the door. To knock. Tarka. Knock, and light will come. So this isn't just about hope, or even certainty, that God is going to deliver you. It's an inside view into how God works in the soul. God does not knock down a door and swarm the place with angels like some kind of spiritual SWAT team. He knocks. He may knock persistently, or in an annoying way, or sometimes very, very quietly. Either way, you are the one who, ultimately, is responsible for opening the door. Now, you don't have to open the door, 
you are free to stay inside. But God is knocking, offering his light to the world. How you respond to it, well, that's up to you. How far you want to go with it, it's up to you. Incidentally, this is also the term for what is basically a group of Sufis, which are uh, Islamic mystics. Uh, so a school of Sufism is often called a tariqa. And you could say, in a way, these are people who are listening to the knock on the door and responding to it. There are two more things I want to go over on this one before we finish. And the first one is lines six and seven. So, got a Quran handy, look at them. If not, here they are. He is created from a gushing fluid that issued from between the loins and ribs. And I don't know just how explicit I should get with this. If you're anything like me, you have listened to plenty of podcasts in the car with kids, with kids around. Um, but I know what you may be thinking. And it just might be that. It's how we all came to be. But one clarification I want to make here is that the words used here are plural. Between the loins and the ribs. The gushing part puts your mind in the male direction. But I think the use of the plural here indicates both male and female at the same time. Now, I've read lengthy commentaries specifically denouncing the idea that this simply means male reproductive fluid, arguing that the use of the plural is meant for you to think about creation and not just that one thing. The idea is that you came from the fluid of two dark places, inside your father and inside your mother, and that God, even there, was present and able to penetrate with his light, with his presence. Now, others have argued that it's talking about the general area of the body and may even extend to the heart. Uh, personally, I find that unpersuasive, but pretty much anyone who bothers to comment on this points out that this is not just referring to male fluid. All right, last item. The last three lines are the ones I want to go over last. Lo, they plot a plot against thee, O Muhammad, and I plot a plot against them, so give a respite to the disbelievers Deal gently with them for a while. This is something you will see in the Quran from time to time. Evil may prosper, but it's temporary. So don't worry, God is in charge. And I just love the way this is written and what it means. Like, yes, the evil are plotting, but God is plotting right back. And I just love, 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 love the comfortable smugness and condescension of that last line. That is so good. Give them a break. Deal gently with them for a while. The subtext being those poor misguided idiots. Bless their hearts 
it's about to get really bad for them. This is God hinting at what I could almost call the Muhammad Ali rope-a-dope strategy. That's a boxing reference for those who don't know. And basically, you just hang on the ropes and you let your opponent throw hard punches that don't injure you too much, but that really tire out the other guy. So God is just hanging in there, letting these evil morons punch their brains out, knowing the hurricane that will be coming once they get tired. God has a counter plan, always. And again, this isn't just a Muslim thing. This is in the Bible, time and time again. Remember in the Old Testament when God calls Nebuchadnezzar his servant. It's not because he likes him, or that Nebuchadnezzar serves God. It's because God is using him, and doing what he always does to make lemonade out of lemons. Be it the Babylonian exile, the evil of Judas, the indifference of Pontius Pilate, the Romans and the destruction of the Second Temple, even the nasty method of crucifixion used by the Romans. Look what God did with that. From a Muslim historical perspective, you're going to see this same pattern with the evil people in Mecca and even the raw cynicism of a character like Abu Sufyan. They make their plans. God makes his plans. You have this struggle between two foes, and take a wild guess who wins in the end. Allahu Akbar. God is greater. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time. Inshallah. Thank you for listening to Islam for Christians. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep this show ad-free, you can also visit my Patreon page and subscribe. I'm at patreon.com slash Islam for Christians. That's patreon.com slash Islam for Christians.